Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Okay, so, oh, now I'm going to take a breath, slow it down. This morning, I have titled my message, Follower Versus Disciple. When I was really seeking the Lord and said, God, what do you want spoken today? I just kept getting this. It's follower versus disciple. Ruth, people say they're a follower, but are they truly my disciple? And I started to get challenged in my own self. In my own self of saying, well, God, what does it mean to truly be your disciple? What does it mean that if I call myself a follower of you, what am I missing in my life? that I'm not being that disciple for you, that person that you can lean on, that person that you can say, Ruth, go and do this, or Ruth, go and do that. And so as I was challenged, I really pray this morning, each and every one of you, as you hear these words, that you are challenged today. That you are challenged, not because Ruth Swift is bringing words, but because God is stirring your heart to draw you higher, to draw you closer, to draw you into a stronger relationship with him that you've not had before. Because I don't think anybody's made it until you go to be with Jesus in heaven. But on this earth, not one of us have made it. There's always more growth. There's always more to learn about Jesus. There's always more to learn about the greatness and the incredibleness of God. So the word follower means a person who supports and admires a particular person or set of ideas. Disciple means a follower of the doctrines of a teacher or a school of thought. They're similar in meaning, but they're very different. If you look at the word follower, it says a person who supports and admires. You know, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Saviour, you know, we could say, I'm a supporter of Jesus. I admire Jesus. I admire what he did on this earth. And I am a person that is calling myself a follower of him. But a disciple means a follower of the doctrines of a teacher or a school of thought. In other words, we adapt what we have learnt. We have adapted of what Jesus taught and we take it into ourselves and we say, that's how I want to be. Now, we all know we're not perfect, right? I am so not perfect. Ask Wayne and he will tell you that. Quite regularly on the stage, he tells you that. See, as a follower of Jesus, we can admire Jesus and support him. But we're actually not called to admire him or to support him. We're actually called to walk with him and do as he is asking us to do. So we are all followers of Christ. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour, you are a follower of Jesus. In Romans ten thirteen, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we're not saved by our works. Who knows that? We are saved by grace. It is only through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and rose again that we are saved In Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
So we can see that to be saved, we call on the name of the Lord Jesus, but it does it stop there? I don't think so. We're saved because we are accepting of who Jesus is. But I believe as a follower of Jesus Christ, he's calling us for the greater. He's calling us for more. He's calling us into a place of going, you know what? I need to walk into where God wants me and I want to see things different in this world. I don't know about you, but I reckon we can see this world turned around. I think too often we sit back and we look at what's going on in the world and we look around ourselves and we look at our society and we think, oh no, it's all coming too close. We serve the Almighty God, the God of the impossible. And when the believers rise up and go, hang on a minute, I am a follower of Jesus. I am going to be a disciple of Christ. I will do whatever he's calling us to do. It took 12 people under the leadership of Jesus on this earth for all of us to be sitting in this room today. Oh, 12. Who wants to be one of the 12? Who wants to be counted in? Who wants to make a difference? Who wants to say, God, I'll be that disciple you can lean on. Jesus, you can call on me. I'm there. I'll do whatever. See, in Matthew 8, 18 to 22, it says, And Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father followed, and their father, sorry, and followed him. Immediately they left. They became a follower of Jesus. They immediately gave up what they had over here and said, we want to go with Jesus. Now, many people are followers of Jesus on this earth, many people, but not as many are willing to be his disciple. In the day that Jesus was on this earth, many people came to hear him preach. Many sat while he preached and brought the words. We read about the 5,000 that came and then, you know, they were fed with the, with the fish and the loaves. We read about the 4,000 that came and were fed. And that was just the men that were counted, not the women and the children. So we know that Jesus can draw a crowd. But there was 12 people who said, I will follow you. I will learn from you. I will gather and I will go. And I believe that you can either be someone who's willing to say, I'm a follower, I'm going to go to the crowd, I'm going to go and listen about the teaching, I'm going to take that on. But I think there's a stirring coming right now across our nation and the nations of the world to say, come on people, it's time that we just don't be a follower. We don't say to people, yes, I go to church, I'm a Christian, and then we continue to walk our lives. It's time for us to stand up and say, yes, I'm a Christian, and I'm here to make a difference, and I want you to know about Jesus Christ. I want you to know how incredible he is, and I want you to understand that in and through my life, so that when you look at my life, you see that it's different to what the world sees. 
it's very quiet this morning. See, the word follower has a lot more meaning in recent years with Instagram. They have followers. There are people on Instagram that have got millions of followers. Do people know those follow- the people they're following intimately? No. They just admire. They look on. They click a like. Jesus is not someone that we press a like button to. Jesus isn't someone that we just follow from a distance. Jesus is our all. He's our everything. When we accept him as our Lord and our Saviour, he becomes our everything. He becomes what we ache for. He becomes when we wake up in the morning, we're like, Lord, walk with me today. Help me, Lord. Show me what to do today. I want to be counted in. I want my life to make a difference for you. Lord, whatever I'm doing, let your light shine through me. A person is saved by putting their trust in Jesus Christ alone. You can't work your way into heaven. But when you truly become a disciple, you have a desire to become like your rabbi. You know, in the Jewish culture, um, Jesus was a Jew and he was brought up as a Jew. And so therefore he knew that he had to go through and learn the, the scriptures and do all of those things that came with that. You know, at the age of five, he started his study of scripture. And when he was 10 years old, he was fit to study, the, uh, he was fit for the study of Mishnah. Now, Mishnah means in Hebrew, repeated study. So at the age of 10, Jesus was there learning the scriptures, studying the word, understanding what it was to be in that. Now, we know that he knew the scripture because, well... He was the scripture, but he studied it. He learned it. He spent time in it. You know, by the time he was 13, he would have done his bar mitzvah. And 15, he studied a study of Talmud, which is a further studying of the scripture. At the age of 18, the Jewish boys would get married. Jesus didn't. But when they were 20, they would start their vacation. So Jesus, at the age of 20, began to be a carpenter. But then at the age of 30, they would start his ministry. This was when Jesus went out and started the ministry as a rabbi. And as he went out, he was walking along and he's calling them. He's calling the fishermen. Hey, come follow me. They're like, oh my goodness, there's the rabbi. That's Jesus. Drop the nets. Drop everything. We're going with him. Then he goes over and he calls. But he's calling people that are not like what the others were calling. The others were calling the ones that were in the synagogues with them, that were following them and being there. They were calling these people to be under them, the learned. But Jesus came and he said, no, I'm coming and I'm going to call you 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 you and you and you and I actually don't care what your life has been through. I don't care whether you're, you've studied theology or not. What I want is your willingness to lay down your life and say, yes, Lord, I will follow you and be your disciple. So we see in the scripture that Jesus gathered his 12. In Luke 2, 46 to 51, it says, After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Wayne, can I have my water, please? 
Thank you. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. The mother knew. Oh my goodness, this is Jesus. This is the son of God. He's going to change the world. He's going to do something extraordinary. And we're a part of it. She knew in her heart of hearts and she knew that he was going to be used. You know, there's a parallel passage in Luke 5.11 from the King James Version and it says, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsake all and followed him. You know, the word forsake literally means they turned their back on their former lives. When we are called to follow Jesus, when we are called to go and do what he's asking, it is when we forsake our life and we say, not my will anymore, Lord, but your will be done. I am handing over my life to you. This is not an easy task to do. There were many people who were followers, many people who believed in the teachings of Jesus, but Jesus isn't just calling us to follow. He's calling us to be disciples. This is a hard word this morning. It's a hard word for me because it actually means that we've got to start getting rid of some stuff off of our lives that are holding us back. It means that we have to start switching our thinking and start to go, God, I don't want my life to be about me anymore. I want it to be about you. I want you to have control. I want you to lead. I want you to guide me in all that I do. You know, there's a quote by Billy Graham. And it said, To be a disciple is to be committed to Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord and committed to following him every single day. So how do we grow as a disciple? We've got to put our trust in Jesus. I really sensed in my spirit as I was preparing this that some people's trust has been broken. They feel like they can't trust him. They feel like he's let them down. They feel like, you know, they've been asking for something. They've been asking for a miracle. They've been asking for things and it hasn't happened. And so they feel like they can't trust him. They believe in him. They're willing to be a follower of him, but they don't actually trust him. And I believe today that God's asking you to put your trust back in him. Start trusting him again. Start believing who he is. Start believing what the scripture says. Start knowing that God is the God of the impossible. And you know what? If our miracle hasn't happened or the things haven't come to pass, let, let's not blame God or Jesus. Let's not go. Well, he's just not there in the room for me but let's put our eyes up and let's start singing that song this is how I fight my battles it's not about whether everything's rosy in the garden it's not about whether we get our way it's not about whether things are falling into place because Jesus certainly didn't have that and either did the disciples but they laid down their life and they said God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. 
The second thing is to imitate Jesus. In Matthew 5, we read about the Sermon on the Mount. There are great keys to imitate Jesus in that. Right through the New Testament, there are scriptures on how to imitate Jesus. Be a servant like him, love like him, forgive like him, pray like him, and the list goes on. Can I encourage you, good old Google? Why don't you put into Google and just in that Google say, how do I imitate Jesus? Scriptures. You watch how many scriptures will come up. And start looking at your life. Like I said, we're not perfect. But we certainly can say, I surrender. I surrender my life to you, Lord. I'm going to give over my desires, my wants, and the way I want it. I'm going to say, you can have it. I'm going to lay it down before you. If we're going to be his disciple, let's look to Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Come on, let's take our eyes off what's happening around us. Let's take our eyes off our situations. Let's take our eyes off the things that are holding us back. And let's fix our eyes on Jesus. And let's instead of saying, oh no, this is terrible. It's not getting better. This is horrible. Let's change our language. And let's say, you know what? When I walk with Jesus, it may not be easy, but I know he won't leave me. I know he won't forsake me. I know he's in my room. I know that he'll come through for me. I know that he's always there no matter what, that I can hold on. I can trust him. I can love him. I can do whatever it takes to be in his presence. Change our language. Are you all okay out there? All right. Love Jesus, love others. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 39 says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Sometimes our heart can be broken. But it's just to love him with all our heart, to love with all our being, and with our mind. So when our mind starts to play games on us, Jesus let you down. Jesus hasn't been there for you. Jesus loves Juliet more than Nathan. It's not true. We love him with every part. But then it goes on and it says, and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. Form life around Jesus. Decisions we make. You know, Psalm 25, 4 says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. We've got to ask him. We've got to learn about him. You know, coming into this place is great. Sunday mornings, you get to hear different ones of us minister. You might hear Wayne or you might hear Mason or you might hear Jess or Brett or myself or anybody else that's up here. And you think, yeah, great. That's good teaching. But it's not enough. 
for us to grow deeper in God, for us to go deeper in who He is, for us to understand who He is and to form our life around Him, we've got to actually know who He is. We've got to know what He stands for. We've got to know what we're following. We've got to know what we believe in. Don't just believe in Jesus because someone tells you to. Believe in Him because He is incredible. Search Him. Look up Him. Read about Him. Study Him. Get into the Word. Get on the Bible app. Man, I feel like I'm yelling at all of you this morning. But I'm not. I don't know, there's just a stirring in my spirit that's so strong. And it's almost like I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying to me, Ruth, teach him to go deeper. The time's going to come when it's tougher. The time's going to come where they're going to have to stand and the wind's going to be strong. And if they're not solid in my word, if they're not a disciple, if they're not someone that truly understands who I am, they're going to blow over. And the Lord's saying, I don't want you to blow over. I want you to go deeper. I want you to understand who I am and that I am the God of the God the God of the impossible, that I can do all things. And I would like you to know that I will not leave you nor forsake you, but I'm asking you to come deeper into me and trust me and know that I am the I am, that I can do all things. To be a disciple meant you were following a rabbi, a teacher, But the goal of a disciple wasn't merely to master the rabbi's teachings. Instead, it was to master his way of life. How he prayed, studied, taught, served the poor and lived out his relationship with God day to day. Jesus is wanting us to be his disciples. If we are going to call ourselves Christ followers, let us be people who represent Jesus in the way he should be represented. Let us not decide what we think a follower should be, but let us be determined to be a follower that Jesus taught us to be. So now that I'm a disciple, now what? You know, the disciples, they'd walked with him and they talked with him. They'd sat and heard him um, speak into their lives. He was training them. He was talking to them in stories. That's the way that the rabbis would do it back in those days. But he was teaching them to stand strong because the day was coming when he would go to be with his father in heaven. But they had a mandate. They had a challenge. They had some work to do. And he knew that if he hadn't have brought the solidness to them, the minute he was taken from them, they would go over and it would be the end. But no, they rose up, 11 of them anyway. They rose up and they took it on. And when Jesus said to them on those last moments when he was with them, In Mark 16, 15 to 20, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands. And when they drink deadly poisons, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. And this is what the disciples did. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. They got up. This morning, church, I am urging you, it is time to get up. It is time to get up and go. It is time to get up and speak. It is time to be the follower of Jesus Christ that he's asking us to be, to be the, the hands and the feet of Jesus in this earth, to love on people like we've never done before. As a church, we are desperate to go. Okay, God, what can we do in our community? The needs in this community are great. They're getting worse. Things are happening. There is so much things that are taking place in our community alone. And God's saying, come on, will you go? Will you go and be my hands and feet? Will you go and bring love to the people that need it? Will you go and speak my name? Will you go and be my disciple? Or you can be a follower. And as I said at the beginning of this sermon, you are saved by calling on the name of Jesus. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace. But I sense God's calling us into a greater ground. Come on. When was the last time your heart broke for those family members that don't know Jesus? When was the last time your heart broke for your neighbours that don't know Jesus? When was the last time you walked through the streets? You know, yesterday we are on our way to... um, to Talia's first birthday with the family and I went into Woolies I had to grab something and there was a homeless person there and I don't know it was the first time in a long time that my heart broke I looked at this person I thought I don't have any money because we don't carry it do we and he didn't have a credit card thing to go tap They're everywhere. And we're sitting in here with the privilege of, this is how I fight my battles. I speak the name of Jesus. That our hearts are crying out to a saviour that loves us. That when we're going through things, trials and difficulties, that we can press in and say, Jesus, help us. The team can come, please. But he's calling us higher. He's asking us, are you willing? The disciples all had different personalities. Matthew certainly wasn't the same personality as Peter. But Matthew made a difference. John wasn't the same as some of the others, but he made a difference. Our personalities are not what makes us a disciple. It's a surrender. 
that says, Lord, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to do this life the way I have. I want to give you my all. But it means a sacrifice. It means that when Jesus challenges you and says, you know that way you're living right there? That's not the way I would want you to live. Will you come back into a surrender to me? Will you give it to me? You know the way you're acting over there? The language that's coming out of your mouth? That's sort of not the language I want you to bring. I want you to bring life-changing words. You know your fear of finances? And so you're holding it all back? That's not how I want you to live. For I said that I will provide. I said to be generous on all occasions and watch and see what I'll do. When we surrender and we say, not my will, but yours be done, something breaks. Revival is a word that's being thrown around right now. You're on Facebook and you're seeing there's a revival breaking out over here. There's a revival breaking out over here. To me, what it is, it's an awakening of the believers that suddenly they realise it's not my will, but yours be done. It's not how I want it, but how you want it. And when we put our trust and our hope in Jesus, I'm sorry, I cannot tell you your life will be a bed of roses. But what I can tell you is that he is the God of the impossible. The God that will give you what you require. The God that will strengthen you in adversity. The God that will bring healing into your body when you need it. He is that God. But he's not just for me. He's for all mankind. And I want to see this auditorium filled to overflowing. I want to see every seat filled with people crying out the name of Jesus. I want to see the backsliders coming back in. I want to see those people that have sat and are almost dead in their seat in the things of God to come alive. And I want to see the unbelievers coming and bowing before Jesus. Resound, we're not missing out. God's about to break us open. He's about to do a greater thing. But he's stirring us to say, I surrender. I give you all. I give you my life. And I will do whatever you want from me. So the question today, are you a follower or a disciple? Are you willing to be counted in? And if that's the case, what needs to change in your life? 
What do you need for Jesus to do in you for you to live differently? Are you happy to say yes, Jesus? I want to reiterate again. It's not our works that get us into the kingdom of God. It is an acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on a cross and rose again. But when we do that, I'm not about you, but I am so, so thankful for an amazing Saviour who loves me. So this morning, if you would bow your heads, because I'd like for people to have a privacy right now. This isn't about a looking around the room or deciding whether we're going to check what's happening out. This is a moment where we say, Lord, I surrender. And right now you may be sitting in this place today. You're visiting with us and someone's invited you to come to hear about Jesus. And you've heard this message and you think, oh my goodness, what does it mean? I'm telling you, it means that Jesus is the best friend you could ever have. That your life will never be the same. And if you speak to different people in this place today, you will hear about their life, where it was and where it is now because of the graciousness and the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning that you may say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to count me in. If that's you this morning, why don't you raise your hand? No one else is looking. I can see you. But this is your opportunity to say, count me in. And then what we'd love to do is to speak to you. And then we will help you grow in your journey as a follower of Christ. Is there anyone today? So now I'm speaking to the believers, the Christ followers, the people that have said, I surrender. So I'd like us to stand to our feet. And I'll be handing back to Jess in a moment. But before I do, I want to encourage you this morning. The band's going to start to sing, I Speak Jesus. And if you have made a decision in your heart this morning that it's time for you to surrender, to surrender your wants, your desires, your will, and to say, Lord, count me in. I want to be used at work. I want to be used in the supermarket. I want to go where you want me to go. When you speak, I want to hear your voice. Then I urge you this morning, come on, don't sit in your seat. Don't stay there. Come down to the front. Kneel if you can or come and be in the presence of God and surrender your life today. It took 12 men, 11 men at the end to rise up and then they added another one. So it was 12 to go out and do what God was asking them to do. Do what Jesus was asking them to do. And because of 12 men, they were then allowing God to move through them that today... We stand here. Imagine if all of us 
said, not my will, your will, God. I'll do as you ask. We will see an extraordinary revival where many will come. I'm going to invite you now. Come, don't sit in this seat. Come on, the stirring's happening. You're standing there and you're thinking, I need to go. But I don't want to be the first. I need to go. Come on, it's time. Stand up. Stand up and say, this is the time, Lord. This is the time where I'm not going to just stand back anymore. I'm going to give my life to to the Lord a different way. I'm going to give Him my everything. I'm not going to try and do the life in my own strength, but I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to have His way. I don't think it's just two people. I'm not here to force. I'm not. But it's time to stand up and allow God His way. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.